Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressively show. Sincere Hogan, that's me. Got Mike Marler on the other side. What's going on, dude? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited about our guest today. My favorite guest ever, actually, on the show. Definitely yeah. this year and one of the most impactful guests. Well, actually, the most impactful guest yeah, I think exactly. we've ever had. I think our listeners can definitely agree with that. So Ty Ritter's back, and we're going to talk to him in a second. Real quick, I just wanted to plug his book. He has a book called A Guide for Parents, My Body is My Own, The Complete Child Protection Handbook by Ty Ritter. And you can get this at Amazon.com. And this yeah. not only is this a must for any parents out there, I think it's a must for any concerned citizen, period. You know, I don't have kids, but I'm concerned about the welfare of kids in my neighborhood or around the world. And I want to be aware of all these things myself so that when I'm walking my dogs or I'm out and about and I see something that's fishy, I can spot it immediately and act on it. So this is a book for really everyone should get. And it also helps Project Child Save, Ty's organizations. Not only is this good information for you to have and for your community, it helps his organization and all the great efforts he's doing. Exactly. So, you know, I know some of you guys out there, you know, educators as well. You know, educators and I, this is a, good, a great guy. You know, it's a gift. It's, it's the holiday season right now. You're looking for gifts. Look, man, forget the socks. OK, stop it. <laughs> forget the ties. <laughs> you know, forget cologne, forget the jewelry for the ladies, whatever, you know, grab this book and, and get it to folks, man, and, and help spread the word. That's a good gift right there, because the even better gift is knowing that. People are in a position of power where they can help save someone. If you see, you hear the phrase all the time, if you see something, do something. Well, a lot of times people don't know what to do. And that's the reason why so many people don't do anything. So one thing about it, once you have that resource and have those, those skills and you have those tips on what you can do, now you feel a little bit more confident that you can do something. You don't feel so helpless. And this book can really help you be in that position to do so. So, yeah, grab that. There's your gift for the holidays right there, folks. So hop over to Amazon, go to Ty's site. There's pretty much other places where you can get the book, but there's no excuse not to get it. So grab it. And just right. speaking on that topic of gifts for people for the holidays, I think the best gifts you can give someone are to make a donation to an organization that is meaningful to that person. Rather than buying yeah. them just material things that are going to end up at the Goodwill, probably or white elephant gifts. <laughs> yeah, going to be a whale. Yes, they're going to regift it. You're talking about next year, you're going to see it again, but it's, it's coming back to you. You're like, wait a minute, I bought someone something just like this. Yeah, it was me. It's yours now. Take it. So this is how you can eliminate all that stuff, man, and just less consumption of just stuff that people probably really don't care about. So yeah, find an organization that really means something to them, and 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 donate to that, man. And that right there is that's a more impactful gift, big time. For the person that really cares about that organization and that cause and those involved in that cause. So, yeah. And there's plenty of and causes. Qu qu to me. Trust me. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, there's several. We've had several great organizations on the show. So whatever, you can find something that's meaningful to any individual out there. But actually, speaking of people making donations, the last time Ty was on the show, several of you made donations. And one guy in particular, I don't want to say his name because he may not want this ostentatious credit, but he, he's donating $500 a month. So that's a really nice donation to make. So props yeah. to you. You know who you are. And if you actually do want to have your name mentioned on the show for doing that, we'll be happy to do it. But I figure generally when people are that generous, they're doing it because they're not looking for name recognition. They want to help the cause. So I didn't want to just throw your name out there without getting your permission. But that was very nice of you to do. And several of you are donating $10, $5, $20. It all helps. 
You know, don't feel like, well, yeah, I can't donate me. 500 bucks. You don't have to donate 500 bucks. If we get a thousand <laughs> people donating 10 bucks, that's meaningful. That's up to a lot. Exactly. So don't sell yourself short, man. Every little bit counts. So, and if hey, you man, want to do an indirect donation, all you need to do is use that coupon code LLA. Go to our websites, get 10% off. The more you support us, the more we'll support people like Ty. Exactly. So one way or another, you're going to be supporting Project Child Save, whether you realize it or not. If you support our respective businesses and the show, you're supporting him as well. Exactly. So there you go, man. So, hey, man, let's let's talk to the man himself. All right, going. Ty, good to have you back. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. Oh, oh the pleasure is ours. The last, time, yeah, the last time you were on was a very illuminating episode, and I'm sure this one will be as well. But right now, in particular, you're looking to raise funds for a very precise purpose. I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, we have uh, intel people out there uh, working all the time. And uh, uh, between them and uh, different organizations, uh, we've spotted uh, something that we've, we've dubbed the hub. And we had run into one once before where they're bringing a lot of children in and uh, then funneling them out uh, throughout South America. And uh, it's been, it's been uh, uh, a goal of ours to try to find another one. And the, the, the one that we found gave us the most children we've ever rescued at one time, 52 children. And because of the the geography, the distance, uh, it, it's very expensive, fuel for our plane, and uh, uh, et cetera. It's just the price goes way up on rescuing these kids. That one cost us $18,000. Well, we got 52 kids out. That's $346 and some loose change per child. That's That's pretty cheap to save a child's life to get them out of harm's way, right. and it, it just uh, uh, was a wonderful thing to, to take so many children. But this uh, new hub that was discovered, they're running uh, uh, over twice as many children through it, and uh, uh, the cost is going to be about $40,000. And... Uh, you know, if if there's a couple hundred kids there, that's that's about two hundred dollars a child. You know, right. but it's, it's yeah. you can't you can't buy freedom for someone enslaved for that kind of money. As right. a matter of fact, right. uh, two of our guys uh, got into uh, a um, child pornography ring, and we were looking for a specific child, and and uh, found the child and offered them. Uh, pose, we were posing as pornographers, and we offered them $80,000 for that child. And uh, they immediately said they wanted 200000 for the child. That's probably about the amount of money that child's going to make in her lifespan with them. So, so getting them back for chump change, $346 a child, you, you can't beat that. And a lot of people don't realize it, but uh, they're being trafficked, these children. But some of them, most of them, are, are very, very young. 
I've brought back as young as three years old. Uh, if I had to guesstimate an average age, I would say eight or nine. And they just, uh, you know, when they're pumped full of drugs and they aren't getting any medical attention and they're diseased, they don't last too long. These children are fragile creatures, and and, uh, and now the drug cartels have gotten involved with the children, and they don't treat the children like merchandise. They're very brutal with the children, and... Uh, um, we've we've uh, rescued children from them on occasions and and uh, um, find them with broken bones unattended and we almost lost a child with a broken femur a compound fracture. Uh, the doctors said that another seven eight hours and and she wouldn't have made it. Uh, it's actually uh, a small miracle that she stayed alive as long as she did, but an older child that was with her, her mother, was a triage nurse and had, in her spare time, was teaching her kid different things to do in an emergency. And it was that child who bandaged and stopped some of the bleeding on this other child. Or if that hadn't happened, she she would have been uh, gone gone when we got there and uh the cartels are just just so brutal i i can't remember if i told you about uh a rescue that we did um the last one we did with the cartels when we're when we're all through and we start looking for any children hiding uh we don't want to leave any children behind we uh we got to this back area, and right outside the back door, there was a child uh, uh, in a wheelbarrow. This is a little difficult. Uh, it takes me back to the moment. A child in a wheelbarrow, and she had been there for a day and a half, two days. Rigor mortis had set in, and they had all of her trash and beer cans on top of her in this wheelbarrow. That's that's who we're dealing with. That's the type of people that that do these things. And when they get so many children that uh, losing them for whatever reason uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to them. And it's uh, it's very difficult to deal with. Uh, my team are are very hardened people. Uh, many of them are war veterans. And uh, uh, I've seen them fall to their knees so, in tears. And and, uh, and when you take a, a child out of that wheelbarrow, for the first time we had to use a body bag, a child's body bag. And uh, so team members had to straighten her out. And, and that's something that stays with you the rest of your life. It's... it's uh, Devastating uh, to know about it, much less deal with it personally. So we've got we got a war going on, and, and the prize is the children. So we're we're doing our best to to get as many of them as we can. Yeah, and the horrible situations you're describing. <clears throat> this is exactly what you're rescuing these children from. So when people make donations. 
this is what you're doing. You're getting kids out of these horrible situations. How, how, where are you at right now with the fundraising for this mission? How close are you to your goal? Uh, <laughs> our goal is 40,000. To be honest with you, I could do it probably for 36, but I hate cutting corners, uh, especially if it involves uh, the safety of the children or, or the team. Uh, We've raised uh, twenty three thousand so far. Excuse me, twenty four thousand. Okay, twenty four thousand so far. So, so we've got a ways to go. And um, the good part about this is, is that location has been there since before last Thanksgiving. Uh, it was reported uh, uh, by Interpol to the host country way back then, and the host country's done nothing about it. And uh, um, we're, we're going to try to do something about it. So basically, if anyone is, everyone is listening to the show right now, if you donate 10 bucks, every single one of you donate $10, we'll get Ty past that goal. And then he and his team can go in there and rescue all of those kids from the horrible situation he just described. Well, you know, five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, it it all goes to the to the rescue uh, equipment or or exactly to the rescue. No one takes a salary. Every person I've got that works for us are volunteers. So when when you donate, I I was contacted a while back uh, by. Uh, boiler room type company that guaranteed me a million dollars in six months and I said well what percentage do you keep and they said 90 cents on every dollar I said, that, that's stealing that, you can't do that the very best one that notified me took 60 cents of every dollar and still that, that it's a catch 22 for me because save a lot of children for that kind of money but uh, somebody hands me a dollar and I say thanks for the 10 cents thanks for the 40 cents I I just just doesn't sit with me well so when anybody ever calls you asking for donations always ask what percentage by law they have to tell you what percentage goes to the charity that you're asking about and uh I think you'll be very surprised, very surprised. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are reluctant to donate to donate to various organizations because they don't want to pay for someone's trust fund or someone's Hawaii vacation or get stuck in administrative fees. That's why it's great that people are aware of an organization like yours because they can rest assured that their entire donation is going 100% to the cause. You bet. You bet. Uh, yeah. uh, we've been, uh, we've gotten awards. Uh, you can go on the website. Um, uh, it would be under awards and testimonies. Parents who have uh, written letters and thanked us and uh, awards that, w- that we've gotten. Uh, geez, from the Senate, from the Assembly from the County of Los Angeles, from the City of Hope, 
the House of Representatives. I mean, we, we've got a whole bunch of awards and stuff uh, from them, and we're a Gold Star charity. And those guys really, they, they don't just throw out the award and and that's it. They monitor you. I remember I uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I got an extension because one of my volunteers lost a whole bunch of receipts. I got an extension. And I went from a gold star to a silver star. And I did not get the gold back until I filed that uh, that tax thing. So they, they, they really watch you. I was yeah. shocked. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing because there are so many, so many bad people even involved in in charities. Uh, you just you just have to be careful where your dollar goes. Uh, our uh, administrative costs has never exceeded four percent of what we bring in, and my books are open to anybody anytime. You got any questions about me? As a matter of fact, uh, uh, people have gone to the FBI and said, you know, I feel you're not looking for my child anymore. Uh, I've contacted uh, uh, a charity that's uh, willing to help us get our child back. And the FBI would say, oh, you don't want, uh, you don't want um, amateurs or, or mercenaries, uh, They'll get they'll get your child killed. You don't want to do that. Now today, I've had people call me and tell me that they've done that, and they they are checking up on me and asking is are these people legitimate? And the FBI comes back with they're for real. So now I give the FBI as a reference. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very no. nice. So where can where can people make these donations? If someone listening right now wants to make a donation, where do they go? They can go to to the website, um, Project Child Save S A V E uh, dot org, and uh, make a donation through PayPal, or they can send a check if they if they like having the check. Uh, to um, Project Child Save at 2629 Foothill Boulevard, number 230, number 230, La Crescenta, California, 91214. And uh, you can send a check that way or uh, a PayPal. Either way works works very well, and uh, I I ask a lot of people because some people they want to give but they forget to give each month, and I say uh, well you know you can go to PayPal, or go to our website and you can get on and make a monthly donation of five dollars, ten dollars, and if you forget uh, about it, uh, you're not going to get hurt you know for that kind of money. And uh, it, it it really helps us. Really helps us. Like you said, if everybody gives ten dollars or five dollars, we can save a lot of kids. No doubt, a yeah. lot of kids. 
And is $10 really going to be something you feel, you know, talking to the listeners? Is that really going to affect your lifestyle one way or the other? It's like, man, ever since I started giving that 10 bucks, now I can't do X, Y, Z, whatever it is anymore. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to, you're not going to feel it giving away five, $10 every month. That's, it's, um, it's a reasonable request. And, uh, it's it's going to a cause that is very very important. The uh, trafficking of children for sex has grown so much over the years, and most governments have just, if they've done anything, it's just window dressing about it. And of course, uh, where these people deal, the countries they deal in, there's so much corruption. They make payoffs to to law enforcement and to uh, to uh, other authorities, and and they're free to do whatever they want to do, and they're getting away with it. And most importantly, if a child's taken from anywhere in the world, so how, how about uh, La Carzena, California? Who is looking for that child in Saudi Arabia or in Bolivia? I said Saudi Arabia because we had a rescue for a child that uh, came out of La Crescenta. <laughs> Almost a neighbor of mine. Wow. Well, that's uh, one thing you mentioned in your book is sometimes kids disappear and the body is never found and no one knows what happened to them. And the reason is, is those kids are no longer even in the U.S. anymore. They're in sure. South America, possibly. They could be in Saudi Arabia. They could be in Asia. They could be anywhere in the world. And no one's in some cases, that's very true. Very true. Very true. I mean, you look at the number of children that are missing. You can go on the web and you can go to the greater Houston area and look up how many children are missing without a trace, not connected to family or friends, just vanished. And you'll be shocked at the numbers that come at you annually that are missing without a trace. Now, if they're still around, you know, the average pedophile, he's doing his thing and turning the child loose. Um, There are those that are are, uh, killing the children afterwards. Where are the bodies? Why isn't uh, backpackers and fishermen and and park rangers stumbling over shallow graves? Because we're talking about a lot of children in the greater L.A. area. 400 annually. I haven't looked it up in a long time, but the last time it was five counties, so 400 children annually missing. But they don't end up uh, in the news because they aren't a beautiful blonde in a setting like Aruba. You know, they're just not newsworthy. Right. And uh, I think it was um, not Dallas. Uh, Austin, Texas, released theirs a couple years ago, and it was uh, 900 children that year vanished without a trace. And now these traffickers have started uh, preying on the gambling towns, Vegas, Reno, Tahoe. Those uh, police officers are just overwhelmed with missing persons. Yeah, You know, you think about it, how many kids uh, uh, drop out of school, do whatever, and they want to be a showgirl or 
They go to Vegas, and then they meet some guy and take off. Well, all their friends are looking for them and missing missing persons. They can't. They cannot keep up with it in a place like Las Vegas. The traffickers know that. And yeah, Vegas attracts a certain type of person that often doesn't have connections that they're at least keeping up to date with family, friends, etc. So they're more isolated. So someone could be kidnapped from Las Vegas and no one is keeping tabs on this person. So there isn't anyone right. looking. You're right. The um uh the pimps, the uh uh pedophiles and the traffickers hang out at the bus stations and the airports and they're yeah. watching mainly the bus stations and they're watching for that kid that gets off all by themselves, looks to be about 14, 15 years old in that area, and they're grabbing them up. They're giving them a place to stay, buying them some clothes and feeding them and getting them indebted to them. And then that's the beginning yeah. of a very, very bad, sad road for for these children. And uh, we're trying to get some laws changed on uh, the prosecution of uh, um young girls uh, for prostitution. It's just, uh, they're victims. What what put them there? Were they being molested at home? Uh, Were they being beaten? Uh, Generally, it takes a lot for a child to run away from home. And now you're going to throw them in jail and give them a record. Right. They need to be helped. They they need the help. So we're trying to change that, and, and we're getting great results. We have great, great police officers that want to do things and can't because of the higher up or budgets or whatever. But uh, they're trying and they're working on it, and they listen and they're learning. Uh, and we learn from them also. We're, we're the luckiest country in the world. We have the greatest police force in the world, and that's why. Not as many children are missing from here as other countries, because we're talking millions of kids worldwide. But anybody asks how many children are being taken from America or around the world, nobody knows. Everybody's guessing. Nobody knows. It's a lot. I could stay busy year-round, and I'm just a little fish in the pond. You know, one of the things you mentioned in your book is you talk about how how pedophiles often show off about how easy it is for them to go snag a kid. You you mentioned one guy in particular told you, I could go grab this kid right now and be back in 15 minutes. Why is it so easy? Yeah, why is it so easy for kids to be targeted and snagged by these pedophiles? Two reasons. One, parents aren't watching them close enough. The other reason is they're dealing with an innocence. You can tell a child, don't go with a man who wants to show you his kittens or his puppies or whatever. Two days later, a month later, that guy shows up and says it. The kid's going. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an innocent child that's not relating to the dangers in it. And uh, there's a very good man out there named Ken Wooden, and he goes from school to school, and uh, he he actually goes to the PTA and talks, talks to them, gets families together, 
and uh, does a big talk on what to tell the children. You tell them tonight what they can do and they can't do and uh, puppies and kittens and all that stuff. And then you bring your kids to the park and you sit on the bench and let your kids play out there. And I'm going to show you how much attention they were paying to you. And uh, um, he he grabs up several of the kids. Always. I don't think he's ever failed uh, getting them to come with him. They do. Uh, How do you teach a child? You know, it's it's very difficult to teach a child um, the stranger danger. That's yeah. it's almost ridiculous because the mailman isn't a stranger. She sees him all the time. The ice cream guy, he's not only not a stranger, he's got ice cream. Yeah. You know, right. uh, the neighbor who gives him a toy or whatever, who's, who's a little overly friendly. You know, th- those aren't strangers to a child. It's much easier to teach them to fight and scream and, when when someone takes you by the hand and you don't want to go with them, I mean I think we've all been in a position one time or another or seen when uh, somebody says, well let let me I picked up the kid or let me have the kid and hold him and this two year old starts screaming and crying and hitting and you know yeah. they fight back uh, if you can just put it in the head, get it in the head if it isn't mommy or daddy. Or Uncle Bill, whatever, start screaming and fighting. And then we teach the public, you see a child uh, doing that, you can approach, you can ask, you can see what's going on. Yeah. You never know. And these people are just looking for a window. They, they're, they're out there, and, and what they've started doing... Uh, the big traffickers, uh, they have teams out there looking for that window to grab that child. But uh, they've also, they they get a hold of lowlifes, maybe drug addicts, whatever, and say, hey, bring me a, a redhead around 10 or younger. I'll give you $300. I'll give you $500. Bring me that kid. So now you've got bunch of people out there looking for that window. Hmm. And not very long ago, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last uh, show I was on with you guys, uh, but uh, uh, there was a traffic officer that worked for the movies, and uh, I see him all the time and uh, got to know him. And uh, he read my book and stuff. And he came in one day, and and, uh, we were on a shoot, and he said... uh, uh, I got to tell you this. I was at, uh, um, I think it was a Macy's, and I was trying to match a pair of socks to a pair of pants. And uh, I had my granddaughter with me, uh, two year old, and she was right beside me. And I was looking at these uh, socks and holding them up against the pants. And and he swore to me he didn't have his eyes off of that child for more than thirty, forty seconds. Looked down and she's gone. Looked yeah. over to his right, and there was a uh, Latin fella that had her by the hand and was heading for the door. And uh, he was, the officer was armed, uh, went after him, and the man let go of the child and ran. He got away, 
and thank God he got his grandchild back. But that's how quick it happens. How how hard is that? How hard is it when parents aren't anywhere around? Go to any mall and look at look at the youngsters running around. No 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 supervision. It's it's not hard to do. And when they aren't going for a ransom, they're just after the child. Right. You know, once they get that child, it's pretty much no worries, including the border. If there's a, if there's an amber alert, you got a better chance of of uh, stopping somebody at a border. But generally speaking, they're watching what's coming in, not what's going out of yeah. the country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, a couple of weeks. Well, actually, about a couple of months ago here in Houston at um is a is an Asian grocery market here and um they actually showed the security footage of this. So mother's there, her daughter's there next to the basket. And the the daughter's in the basket, which is crazy. She's in the basket. And the mother's got her hand on the basket, the little handle where you're pushing the basket, whatever. So the mother's reaching over in into one of the aisles to pick a product up. So she's right there in front of the child. So the ch- you know, the child's sitting in the little part of the basket where most kids sit right there in the little front part or whatever. This dude just randomly walks up, and he is trying to take the child out of the basket. And the mother's just shopping; she's just looking for the, like, trying to get the item off the shelf. It, it looks almost staged. It doesn't even look real because you would think, like, did you not feel your child moving and being pulled out of a basket? You know, and the child obviously you got to wonder because there was no sound on it because it was one of those um, closed circuit TVs from like above. But you couldn't really hear anything. So you're wondering, like, did the child say anything? Were they making any noise? Were they saying, leave me alone? Who are you? Hey, mister, or something like that. Because everyone in the video looks unfazed until the mother turns around and she sees this guy. And then she starts swatting on him, like, stop, you know, like, and kind of like trying to take his hand off the child. And dude, I don't know if he had like mental problems or what, but he's even looking like, what's wrong? Like, why not? Why can't I take this child? So it was it's so odd. Something's just that simple. So it had been a few more minutes. He probably would have just picked the child up and just walked out the store. But what's crazy is like there's no one stopping the guy or anything like that. So yeah, it's re- so just think if that can happen. Just imagine when you're not paying attention. And I know from a personal experience a couple of weeks ago before I was uh, moving, I'm in the dog park with my dog and both my dogs. And this little girl, you know, I, I've seen her ride around our neighborhood before. She's obviously new in the few years that we lived there. I've never really seen her until like the last couple of months. So she rides, you know, she rides a bike a lot, but. For this, for some reason, this day, and it was a school day, for some reason she wasn't in school because it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. She comes to the dog park, and she just walks right in, and she just sits down and just starts talking to me. And, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable as it is. It's broad daylight. I'm just like, okay. I'm like, is this a setup? <laughs> you know, just like, well, what, what is that? Because she's supposed to be in school, first of all. It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's not a school holiday, you know, because I have a child in school, too, and I knew it wasn't a holiday. So I'm kind of looking around, and then also I'm like thinking two things. That protector in me is thinking like, okay, little girl, what are you doing? And I didn't want to scare her, but I was going to say, you shouldn't be doing things like this, walking to random strangers and just talking. And number two, I'm also thinking like, I don't want any of our neighbors looking around like, okay, who is this guy? What is he? Well, what is he? We know him, but what is he doing with that little girl? You know, because, you know, here's uh, this, you know, this African-American male sitting here with, you know, this Caucasian little female. You know, uh, how old was the child? She, oh, and this is another thing that I was about to get to. In the okay, she she loves dogs and she's telling me about her. You know, she's gonna start a dog business. She wants to walk dogs and she was, you know, she wanted to, you know, see my dogs and all this. 
in the probably the first 10 minutes that she was sitting there talking, she gave me everything. I knew that her parents were divorced, that her father's in New Mexico, that, you know, that, you know, how, how many like squirrels her and her dad saved and, and, you know, pretty much how her mother doesn't like animals and her mom pretty much just lets her ride a bike by herself. And, and they, she told me the exact house where they lived and all these things. She gave me all this information. You know, she was telling me what school she went to. I didn't have, trust me, I'm not talking. I'm just like, whoa, I'm, I'm baffled for the fact how she's volunteering so much information. So, and she was, she's 12 years old. She told me that, you know, wow. so and she told me she didn't have any siblings. <laughs> so, I mean, all this information she gave me, like within 10 minutes, just talking and talking and talking. I was like, God, I just really want to tell her, do not make it. Don't ever do this again. But at the same time, I don't want to scare her at the same time. You know, so it was, it was, a, I was in a very conflicted place, you know, and then eventually, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm making a point to make sure that I'm petting my dogs. I'm I'm kneeling down with one of my dogs, so I'm not necessarily close to her, so, you know, no one's getting the wrong idea or anything. At the same time, I'm not trying to scare her either, but she obviously is very brave. She's not afraid to a, to a fault that she's not afraid. She's way too friendly. She's very personal. So, you know, and then eventually when she had, she's like, well, I got to get ready to go because I have to, I have to go to my scout meeting, you know, at blah, blah, blah. It gave me the information on that too. You know, by three o'clock, just steady, just giving up information. I'm like, oh my God. I'm just like, I, I, I need to talk to this mother, <laughs> you know, and, and really tell her. But at the same time, I didn't want to, it, it, it was very, I don't know. It was such a strange situation because I'm like, this little girl, she's probably seen me a couple of times, but most of the time when I walk my dogs is at night. So really my neighbors don't see me walking my dogs, you know, to the point that even in the dog park, when they saw me that time of the day, they were like, Oh, are you new here? I'm like, no. She's like, we never see you guys. Like, you just get these dogs. I'm like, we always have them, but we only walk them at night because, A, I don't like talking to everybody in my neighborhood. They have some very talkative neighbors. So I just, <laughs> I, just I just want to walk my dogs in peace. You know, that's my meditation. <laughs> and I have nosy neighbors. They ask a zillion and one questions. So in, in case in point. So anyway, like I said, it was just a very strange situation. And it made me think. And the first thing I thought about, Ty, while she was talking, I thought about you. And I thought about you. I'm like, you know what? I just need to buy that book and just just leave it at the mother's doorstep with a note in it. <laughs> so that's that's the, that's that's how I feel like that's the, one of the best ways I can help in this situation without necessarily scaring the mother. You know, especially because you know I'm pretty sure emotions are probably high because it's you know a recent divorce. She's moved from New Mexico to Houston, and you know, and they're probably trying to adjust. And it was just it was just really weird, man. It was so weird. And at the same time. It, made me so aware of just like, wow, the stranger danger thing, you know, it, it's not, I don't think that means what people think it means, you know, when they say that. So. Yeah. If a police officer saw you and comes over and separates the child from you and starts asking the child, well, what, what was, what were you talking about? And she said, well, I told him where I live and I told they're going to think that you were pumping her for questions. You you could have been in a lot of trouble. Exactly. Right. I think the problem is is that this is such an uncomfortable topic for a lot of people that no one wants to discuss this. And my experience after the last time you were on the show, Ty, is I'm talking to my neighbors at the dog park, telling them about the episode, recommending they go check it out. And they changed the subject immediately. I mean, I couldn't even get a few sentences out before they yes, just – they're like, they looked at me, the eyes got bigger, they're like, that's terrible, and then, bam, changed the subject immediately. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I don't. It's, get it's almost like to, people uh, don't want to. No, like you said, like people don't want to know about this because somehow they think that that makes it more likely to happen if they know about it, which is ridiculously absurd. But I think that's the irrational mindset. It's like I don't want to know about this. We'll actually, they didn't oh, not hear the <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Like that's what you said last time you were on, which is so stupid. But that's kind of the irrational mind working. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> and, and that mother. Uh, you, if you put the book on her on her doorstep, uh, how worried is she? Yeah. Allows the twelve-year-old to ride a bike. Doesn't she watch right. the news? You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, here's a here's another issue. Then I I talk to Mike about this all the time. The the issue is, you know, that you know, it's a gated community, and people when they have gated communities. They have this misconception that they're safe. They have a feeling right. that it won't happen right. here because we pay this high HOA fee. And we know we have this, this security guard house out in front of the community, you know, not within the community where you can actually see anything going on. And, you know, now the security guard's not even manned anymore. So you have that and you feel like, hey, you know, well, if something looks, you know, looks off, then our neighbors will, they'll say something in a little Facebook group or something like that. But like I said, there's this misconception that being in a gated community or a well-to-do neighborhood means that you are shielded from any type of crime and situation. But here's the deal. Like I would tell people in my classes, I te- you know, teach my clients, it's like, look, no one is going in the hood, kicking doors open and doing armed robberies and, and trying to rob someone's project. <laughs> Okay, because they know how poor you are because you live in the same neighborhood they do. (laughs) So here's the thing. They're going to those well-to-do neighborhoods. They're going to those gated communities because in their minds, they're thinking like, well, these people have money because, I mean, look at this. They got this little false fortress built around their community thinking they're going to keep us out. First of all, there's there's a whole challenge and dare in that in itself. And, again, you know, just like with that mother, you're thinking like, okay, school's out, well, for her daughter on that day or whatever. So, you know, during that day, mostly the only people around are going to be adults. It's going to be adults for that time because it's not taking it back. I'm sorry. Not the school was out, but the fact that it, it was not a school holiday, there was not going to be any other kids out. So if you know, it's just going to be pretty much nothing but adults out during that time. And the other kids are in school and your child is not, why are you not paying attention to your child? Because right now, you know, they're ripe for the picking, you know, for the fact that, it's really easy for them to get snatched up because there are no other kids around to play with them or anything like that. So I, you know, I just, they'll make you even be more diligent. And again, like you know, you're a smart guy. People. I can tell you're a smart guy, but why are you talking common sense? Don't I know, you know, no. common sense doesn't apply anymore. <laughs> or if it ever did, just, <laughs> it's like someone, just doesn't yeah, apply anymore. I know. I know. <laughs> And you're you're a hundred percent right. I don't. I can't count the times that I've been told, "Well, we live in a safe community and stuff." And I always come back with, "Well, that's what Sharon Tate thought too." Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a high class community. It's not going to happen here. Exactly. My thing is, my, the safe community. What do you? You live in a vault because that's about the safest you're going to probably get as far as a community. <laughs> you can keep people out. So. And Otherwise, they're a criminal doesn't mean that they're stupid. You know, like right. you said, they aren't going to rob from the next door neighbor. No. <laughs> Especially, you know, in their own neighborhood where they're, you know, the, the, the victim might actually know them or know their parents. Like, are you serious? <laughs> are you breaking in my house? I'm going to tell your mom. So, you know, they're not going to do that, man. So, yeah, there's so many things you can do if your child's out. 
I, I think I told you about it last time. Uh, uh, there's a letter on my website from a mother that uh, um, did one of the things that she read in my book, and that was her daughter had to walk a couple blocks from school, and there was no way to get around it. She had to walk by herself, and I believe she was 10 years old. And uh, Mom went to houses along the way and asked the stay-at-home parents, grandmas, whoever was at home, if my daughter has problems, she's walking home from school, can she come to your door and get help? And uh, she, I think she found three or four that said, yes, by all means. And about a month later, uh, the child was approached, and the guy tried to get her in the car. She broke loose, got away, and uh, got to a house. The lady brought her in, called the police, and the guy got away. And about two weeks later, about two blocks away, child was taken and never seen again. So they uh, kindly attributed my book to saving their daughter's life. There's so many things you can do, you know. Uh, talk to your neighbors and find grandma that stays home and whatever and give your, give your child an out, you know. Yeah place to go if there's trouble, if you can't be there. Uh, raising my daughter, we, we made the exceptions. Uh, uh, we just made sure we picked her up. Mm-hmm. We found a way to do it. Not easy, but we picked her up and we dropped her off. Can't always be done, but there are other things that you can do. And it's 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 common sense. Uh, you got a kid in school. It's all all in my book. Everything from choosing the right daycare all the way up to the internet. You got a kid in school. Go go sit on the street and look see when they're out in the play yard. Is there supervision there? I think they'll be very surprised how much there is no supervision there. Yeah. And and. Uh, Parents have a right. Walk into school and and see what's going on. And and uh, schools should not be allowed to, especially the lower grades. Uh, they plaster the windows with all the work the kids have done, the drawings and everything. Principal can't even walk by and see what's going on in that classroom. Just just tons of things you can do and you look for. Um, that's why I did the book. It's it's uh, people come up to me and say, "How can I keep my kids safer?" I don't have three hours to spend with you. Here's my book. <laughs> I give them away. Uh, more than I sell, <laughs> but it's it's a tool that uh, parents need to have. I think the real pro- underlying problem, though, is that a lot of parents don't think their kids are unsafe. They have a lot of illusions about that. We live in a safe neighborhood. Nothing bad is going to happen. I don't know anything bad that's ever happened to anyone around here, so I don't have to worry about it. And there's also that, you know, my kid's a good kid, which they think automatically keeps them away from bad people. Like, that's a shield, you know. And, I mean, you'd be surprised if you went on to your local municipality and looked for sex offenders in your neighborhood, no matter how great your neighborhood is, you'd be surprised how many sex offenders are already in your neighborhood that are registered. 
You know, you bet. You that, that's something you, you should do. You should do something. You should do that every month. You know, don't wait for the postcard to come out and get an update when one's moved in or whatever. Check. You know, be diligent. I do it all the time. Just see. You know, we go move on your now. computer and go to uh, sexoffenders.com. You not only uh, know where they live, the address, you get a picture of them. A picture of them, exactly. And I've most got, likely, you uh, within two miles of my house, I've got uh, twenty-one sex offenders. Yeah. I mean, speaking of sex offenders, pedophiles, or however we want to phrase it, there's a lot of myths about their mindset as well that you break through in the book. And one is is that this is learned behavior. So, for example, someone was molested as a kid, and as a result, they're more likely to be a child molester when they grow up, which you feel which you feel is inaccurate. Do you feel that most pedophiles are just wired that way? Most, if not all, they're just genetically programmed to be the way they are. I lean that way because uh, dealing with them and talking to them, and I spent a great deal of time at, at a prison uh, talking with them, and uh, surprisingly, they're very open. They they look at it like. I'm afflicted, if you want to call it something bad. It, it, go to a, a homosexual and tell them not to be a homosexual anymore. Right, right. They're right. They're, they're not wired that way. Uh, they they can't not be what they are. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing or whatever. Well, it is with pedophiles. Right. But. Uh, and I want so to be with pedophiles you're dealing with pedophiles the gay community with. because I have had right. so much help from the gay community in my efforts. And those are consenting adults, so that's a totally different scenario, of course, than a pedophile who feels, hey, I'm wired this way, so this is just who I am. The problem with that is is that the kid is not consenting. The kid can't consent. While with right. anyone else, you're dealing with consenting adults. But they think it's all right. They right. think the whole thing's okay, and uh, one of the excuses they use is, uh, well, it wasn't too long ago that it was okay to uh, not only have sex with, but to marry a 12-year-old or whatever, but that was back in the day. Some, part, when, some parts of the world, it's still... They still do that, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Afghanistan, yeah. Middle East, etc. But uh, they they depend on it, and... and uh, Look at NAMBLA, their motto, after eight is too late. If they're old enough to bleed, they're old enough to butcher. They're to breed, yeah, yeah. Like that. They, they, they're very blunt about it. A pedophile only shows remorse when he's being arrested, when he's about to be sentenced, and when he's trying to get paroled. Can they stop? Yeah, it's been there's been those who have controlled their impulses, but uh, not nearly as many as those who who are repeat offenders. You got to keep what in mind, impact? though, with the traffickers, many of them are not pedophiles. Most of them are not right. pedophiles. They're in it for right. the money. Exactly, they're yeah. business people. Yeah, exactly. They're like brokers for the pedophiles, basically. Yep, yep, yep. They're, they're providing the product. 
you know, they're, they're just, they're just like a drug dealer. You know, they're providing the drug for these pedophiles. Like, Hey, I got what you need. You know? Hey, everybody's in on the thing. We're, we're now working against a couple of, uh, travel agencies that, uh, book sex tours. Yeah. Uh, for children. Yeah. I heard a lot about those, especially like in Costa Rica and then, you know, like Latin America and, uh, Thailand, I'm sure. Thailand, yeah, exactly. Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And the biggest booker comes out of uh, Japan, I had to say. Uh, an agency, that, a travel agency that specifically books those. And we're trying to deal with the Japanese about that. Uh, there's just so much of it everywhere, and it has grown so big, so big. Uh, there, my arch enemy, his uh, his oldest son, is working with him. His youngest son is working with him. As a matter of fact, uh, his youngest son is in Portugal, and he uh, he handles uh, children out of Europe that are funneled down. Uh, Portugal, and he funnels them down to Brazil, where his father is. And uh, remember little Maddie who was taken? The doctor and his wife uh, went to dinner and left the child and, and another child in, in the room by themselves in Portugal. Uh, uh, the youngest son is headquartered about a little less than two miles from where she was taken. Very good chance that he, his group got her. And very good chance she was funneled down to Brazil. But um takes a lot of money to investigate and follow up and go on it. And the Portuguese police uh, just wanted to wash their hands of it. They weren't getting anywhere. And they built up a little bit of a phony case. They said that uh, they discovered uh, DNA and hair samples in the trunk of the parents' rented car. The problem with that is the parents didn't rent the car until two days after the child was gone. So they were just trying to place the blame someplace. Right. Because they weren't getting anywhere with their investigation. But uh, that's that's the sort of thing we want to build a war chest someday. The the money comes in that goes right out on a rescue, and uh, if we could build a war chest when we hear about something like that, and I have that kind of information, we can get there in a hurry and see what what's going on and. Uh, I would have put people in Portugal, and I would have put people on the father and the places he runs in Brazil, because I've been—I know where most of them are, and of course they've made their payoffs, so they end up staying there uh, and see if that child showed up. I think there would have been a better than a fifty-fifty chance that that that's where she went since it was such a clean getaway. Yeah. Absolutely no trace of anything afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, 
someday, someday we'll uh, get that war chest and be able to move instead of hearing about something and then trying to raise the money to do something about it. It's just an uphill battle and uh, always has been, probably always will be, and man being what he is, we'll never stop it, but in my lifetime, I'd really like to put a big dent in it. We're off to a good start. And I'm training somebody to take my place when I can't do it anymore. So. Yeah, that, that was one of the questions from the, when we spoke to you last, and I don't think we got around to is just like, you know, how do you, you know, prepare to keep, the, keep everything going? You know, because again, you know, <laughs> That's the one thing about being the the main figurehead in an operation, you know, and, you know, you hear so many things like no matter what, even though, you know, this is a nonprofit situation, you know, it's still somewhat a business. And the way for it to be successful is also always to have a system in place where it can be replicated should the main person, you know, be removed you know, or remove themselves from it, you know, whether it be health or whatever else. So, yeah, that, that was one of the concerns from the last time we talked. I was wondering, okay, what happens when Ty, if, when Ty is gone? You know, how does it keep going? So, so it's good to hear that, you, you know, you're, you're grooming someone, you know, to take it from there. You Plus, bet. you have a very competent team as well that's been oh. working with you for a long time. So they it seems, it seems like there, there seems like, yeah, seems like there's several people. Seems like there's several people on your team that could transition into doing what you're doing if necessary. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of a matter of who wants to take my place rather than who's ability <laughs> to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it it's it it will go on. Uh, it, the type of people I have. Uh, one one of my men was uh, wounded on a rescue, and he was hitting the tailbone, and uh, it splintered the bone some, and he had a very very hard time of it for weeks. He was sitting on a uh, pillow, and uh, I asked him. I said, "Is this it? You done?" And he looked at me and he said. Uh, no, I'm not done, but I'm not going tomorrow. I'd like a little time off. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not done, and that's that's the caliber people I I have. Uh, they have sold their cars to get the rest of the money, and that always breaks my heart. They're they're putting everything on the line to do these rescues, and they got to fund them too. Uh, they just just recently uh, one of them sold a car trying to put together uh, the money for this big one um, and uh, they're always hitting their parents up and their friends up and doing what they can to keep it going it uh, it always happens the good lord opens the door for me somewhere along the line he opens the door for me, and we stay busy. Yeah, it's just one of those situations where you kind of wish you weren't needed, you know? Well, you know, I wish for that day, too. Uh, yeah. I think my favorite saying is, uh, 
I don't ever want to have to do it again. But I can't wait for the next one because when we're successful, the reward is so great. Yeah. There's nothing in the world better than bringing home a child thought lost forever or getting them to safety. You know, if a child was sold by the parents, they end up being in in the uh, orphanage where they they have good care and uh, they become citizens and they get adopted out if uh, parents can't be found. Um it's 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 all good. It's all good. I've worked with these orphanages for so long and helped them mold into what we felt was the best conditions. And they're very well funded. One is funded by a very large brewery. Another is funded by one of the richest men in Mexico. And they want for nothing. They have. Uh, they went from. Uh, barracks type living for the children to individual houses with house parents their farms and their ranches and the children are assigned animals to take care of and and uh they got swimming pools and infirmaries the last time uh uh m- one of the times that uh went out I broke my left arm and uh they x-rayed it Set it and put a cast on it at the uh, at the orphanage. They don't want for anything. We've often offered to help, give them some money when we drop off a load of kids, and they no need, no need. We're doing just fine. Hmm. So it's working. It's all working good. The only part that's uh, Troublesome is is raising the funds to do it, but that's true with with every everybody I know that's actually in the trenches doing the work are hand to mouth. Yeah, They're all hand to mouth, and and uh, there was a very large car dealership here just recently that had a black tie sit down dinner to raise money for. Uh, um, the athletic team uh, um, gear, I guess, for a new school that was put in, and they raised uh, $270,000 in a couple of hours. That, that's hard to swallow when you're hmm. telling people, I could save up to possibly 200 children for $40,000 and can't do it. Right. A hard, hard time doing it. It's difficult. Well, it's very very disheartening, and I think it's because it's it's, it's odd, but something like that equipment fundraiser, everyone feels good about that, right? It's like, oh, this is great. We're helping the team. We're helping the school. Now, your world, people should feel good about it, but they don't necessarily want to know about it. So once they know about it, they're like, oh, this is terrible. So let me just compartmentalize this and not think about it again, as opposed to, okay, now that I know about this, let me do as much as I can about it, which is a much healthier response. But it also seems like a more rare response based on your experience and then my limited experience as well, just talking to random people about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Honestly, I was expecting that the last time you were on the show, right, it was so impactful, and we had thousands of people listen to that episode. I was hoping to get you know, a call from you going, Mike, you're not going to believe this, but the last time I was on your episode talking to you right. and Sincere, $100,000 has come in you know, within weeks of that episode. That's what I was hoping to hear. Because what are these thousands of people doing? I don't understand how thousands of people can listen to the episode and then just go on with whatever they were doing. You listen to the episode, so do something about it. You know, go donate five dollars, go donate ten dollars, <laughs> go don't go donate a dollar. I, that, that's the part that doesn't get me. Well, I, I, you you hit the nail on the head uh, when you said people just have a hard time dealing with it. I I think I told you before I don't get invited to barbecues and parties because sooner or later somebody's going to ask me what I do and I say I just don't work for a living and somebody else says well tell them about your charity it's it's a night killer it just ruins well, well ruins people the need to stop people need to stop thinking about how they're feeling and thinking about how the kids are feeling that are in this situation that's number 1 and I'll give you a weird analogy but it's it's in the same vein you know, I have, I have one of my rescue dogs is an older guy. He's Cocker Spaniel. He's, he was 15 when I got him. He's 16 now. And I was talking to one of the ladies at the dog park and she's like, Oh, wow. You know, I could never do that. I could, I, I would, I would feel terrible because the dog may pass. And I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't really think about how I'm going to feel. I was thinking about how he feels, you know, being 15 stuck at a shelter and her exact words were, Oh, I didn't think of it that way. It's like, that's the fucking problem right there. You know, you're thinking about how you're going to feel. I was like, I don't care about how you, no one asked you how you're feeling. You know, think about how the animal's going to feel. So bringing that back to your world, it's like, oh, this is terrible. It makes me feel bad. So I don't give a fuck how you feel. Think about how these kids are feeling in this situation. They're, these kids are being tortured and going through horrendous acts. Frankly, I mean, it wouldn't be illegal at all to show, I mean, it wouldn't be legal to show exactly what goes on. But in in a large extent, that's what people need to see to to take in the full impact of the situation and actually do something about it. Well, I am so hesitant to uh, to do that. Uh, um, I told you about the the girl in the wheelbarrow, and and I tossed that around for two three days as to whether I would do that or not because. It's going to cause some people to shut it down and not listen and and others to feel sick and stuff. But I've always said I, I don't sugarcoat or dance around the subject, and it's important that people know what these children are going through. It's just very important. So... So I, I do it, but uh, there's limits to what I can can say. Uh, the little girl in a wheelbarrow is terrible, terrible thing. Very difficult for everybody involved. But on a scale of one to ten, it's on the lower range of what we've seen. So. I mean, uh, we've seen things that Satan himself choreographed. It's just unbelievable that human beings can do some of the things we've seen to other human beings, especially to children, especially. 
you know what, gentlemen? I really hate to do this because I'm really enjoying this, but I have a meeting I have to go to that I'll be late to at two o'clock. Oh, no problem. No, no problem. You, you guys, oh, fifteen, twenty minutes, maybe an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> well, you know, I enjoy long. it so much because you guys get it. You understand the situation. I, I I get interviews sometimes, and and I can tell the the interviewer is getting a glazed look over his eyes, and he has no idea of what what it's about. You know, it's it's very important for people to know it's not about Democrats, Republicans, Jews, Muslims, Catholics. It's about the children. And not just American children, all the children. Exactly. We have a we have a principal child that we're going after. There's always more there. I never kept track when it was a secret. What I did started in 1975, 2005 became a charity, and we started counting the children. And right now we're just under 700 children saved. The actual count, I have no idea. I couldn't begin to guess. Uh, like I said, there's always more children there than what we counted on. So you guys get it, and it is so appreciated. And it's been a wonderful help. A lot of uh, little donations, and like you said, the, the good fellow that uh, I won't say his name either. Uh, you know, I would have before you said he might not want it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure he doesn't mind. I just feel kind of when, when someone makes a nice donation like that, often it's coming from a place of, you know, they're not looking for exposure. They're not they're not, they're not looking for a pat on the back. That's someone who wants to do some real good. Anyway, well, he's a wonderful oh, man, and I wrote him a letter, and. Uh, uh, just, just, he just, I don't think he can fathom how much that helps us. Just knowing that that's, that's there once a month. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, hey, great having you back uh, on. We don't want to, we don't want to hold you up. Great having you back on. Everyone can go over to projectchildsave.org, make a donation right now. If you're driving, pull over, <laughs> make a donation. Yeah. If you're listening to this. But if you're at yeah. home on your computer, go make a donation right now. If you're driving, pull over, make a donation. Do it right now, though. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't say you're going to do it next week. Don't say you'll do it next month. Do it today. Don't, don't, feel, yeah. don't feel that like, well, I want to make a $100 donation, but let me wait for my next paycheck. Just make a $10 donation today, and you can make a bigger donation later. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we can't notify people and tell them what, what uh, their money's done. But if you guys would be kind enough, I'd love to come on after each rescue and let people know what their money's done. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't get into details, and I have to wait to let the dust settle on the on the rescue. But uh, as soon as that happens, I'd be happy to come in and tell you <laughs> Uh, what what the money's done. You know, you know what would be great, just real quick, and I don't know how plausible this is, but if we could ever get 
some a kid that you rescued that's now an adult to come on yeah, with you great. and talk about how what your work has affected her that would be incredible if we could pull something like that off exactly or even the parents you know just you know yeah, i stopped exactly. monitoring them a long time ago after one child committed suicide i used to follow up on them and see how they're doing and stuff and when that happened i just stopped doing it but i did get a call about six eight months ago a lady on the line said you don't know who i am do you and i said no i don't and she said you rescued me 30 years ago and, and then she said who she was, and uh, I think we both started crying. <laughs> She's uh, now a mother. She said that she wants to help. She's in Tennessee. She wants to help, but she now has an 8-year-old that uh, she does not want to know that she was ever trafficked. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. So she would, wants to remain anonymous. I have not talked to her uh, but once since that phone call, and I can try to see if she's willing to do that. Yeah, and she could come on anonymously as well. We don't have to say her name or where she's live, where she lives or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I, I can do that. I think uh, I'll call her and, and see. I think if that would can. help a lot. Yeah, I think that would help a lot. Um, I I was shocked. She uh, contacted me out of the blue, and uh, it was a happy happy event. Yeah, that's right. That must be very gratifying for you. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Very very nice. Well, gentlemen. Thank you again. Thank you for caring enough about the kids to have me on the show. And uh, and uh, for any of your listeners that were listening the last time and donated, thank you very, very much. Uh, you, you cannot believe how much it helps us. Like I said, $5, $10. $20, $100 goes a long, long way. Well, what I want to emphasize to the listeners before we let you go is we as a group have the power to get you way past that goal. You know, just this show following alone. So, you know, Sincere donates, I donate, you know, we're doing our part, we're getting you on, but everyone listening can play a role in this as well. And we can easily get you past that goal so that this mission is a tremendous success. And it doesn't take a lot from each individual listening. It just takes a $10 donation. So if everyone listening right now makes a $10 donation, this mission that you're about to commence on will be a huge success. Exactly. So That's, that's true. It, uh, it would work. It would work. And uh, I consider people who donate the other half of the team, you know, when we don't have the money, I feel like a Ferrari pulling a U-Haul trailer. When we have the money, when the other half of the team gives us an engine, we can't do it without them. 
they are as responsible as saving these kids, and they have every right to say, I saved 19 kids last week because we couldn't have done it without them. And I'm, I'm so grateful, so grateful. Well, awesome, folks. Let's make this happen, everybody. Everybody listening right now, just let's do it now. Just get it going. So, because the sooner we do this, the sooner Ty can and his team can take care of this mission and get it done and, and get these kids back to safety, man. So, time is of the essence. Again, like Mike said, don't wait the next week, next paycheck, any of that. Right now. Right now. That's yeah, all you got anyway. Donate, right now. That's all that matters right now. Feel. You know, $10 is not something you're going to feel. I mean, if you're listening to this show and you're like, well, look, you know, $10 can affect my life one way or another, then, you know, you need, you need to go get a second job, not listen to the show. You've got some, you know, you got some financial issues to take care of because yeah. come on, $10, you shouldn't feel that. That shouldn't be something that you hesitate whatsoever on every single month. Don't just do it for this mission. Make it a reoccurring donation where every month that $10 is coming right out. Well, thanks again, Ty. Always a pleasure to have you on. You're a really inspiring guy, and the work you do is incredible. Yeah, thanks for everything you do, man. Well, thank you, and I will pass that on to the team, because uh, without them, I am nothing. They just make me look really good. Well, let's get let's get one of your team members to come on with you next time you're on, you know, whoever you think would like to come on. I think that would be interesting to hear. Uh, if I do that, i got to put a shock collar on him. <laughs> Make sure he doesn't say something he shouldn't say. <laughs> I can I can do that. I can arrange that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really Great. cool. Uh, that'd be wonderful. Awesome. Uh, you take there. care. Okay. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Thank you again, guys. Thank you. Thank so you, Ty. Much. You have a great one. Thank you. Later. You too. Bye bye. Take care. Bye. So again, folks, projectchildsafe.org is the website. Like I said, as long as you're not driving a car right now, go over there, check it out, make that donation. And then this is Thanksgiving week. So this is, you have a great life, so it's time to pass that on. Yep. Instead of Pay buying forward. crap for people. Yeah. Instead of, instead of getting together with a bunch of relatives you don't really care to see. <laughs> <laughs> Watch football you know, teams. Allocate those funds. Cheer <laughs> <laughs> for the same team that's never going to win on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Hoping yeah. Tony Romo does not play for the Cowboys this weekend. All that stuff. <laughs> let's just let's just change it up. Let's mix it up a little bit this time around, man. And really show that we, you know, we appreciate all the good things that have come to our lives and give it back. Here's one way you can do that. So, yeah, yeah, man. All yeah, right, man. We'll wrap up there. Take yep. care, everyone. Let's do let's do our part in getting Ty over that goal, surpassing that goal by bigly, and getting him on that, making that mission as successful as possible. Yep, let's make it happen, folks. All right, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye.